Good morning, everybody. My name's Roger and I'm one of the uh, leaders of the church. We're looking this morning, if you've got a Bible, in Matthew, in Mark's Gospel and Chapter 8. Uh, three elderly widows were chatting in their nursing home lounge area about the lack of eligible bachelors when in one New Year's Day walks a new man into the nursing home. One of the ladies calls over to him. Hello, stranger, where are you from? The man replied, I've just got out of prison after 50 years. (laughs) Oh, her interest awakened. She asked, can I ask what you were in for? Yep, I killed my wife. Oh, the widow paused. So you're available then? There can be a problem when we don't fully see things as they really are. That's what we're going to be thinking about. The same is true of God and what people think he is like or maybe even looks like. Now at this point it would be good to throw in that it would be true that in one sense nobody can see God. Scripture is very clear about that. He is spirit. And spirits are by nature invisible. God is holy. For a sinful human being to try and see him would be like trying to focus your eyes on the sun. And you don't need me to tell you exactly how difficult or impossible that would be. Yet in another sense, it is possible for us to see God. We can't stare at the sun, but we can see everything else by its light. There is a way for us to see God. That's how we're going to think about not just this morning, but through uh, this year. There is a way to see God. Maybe it's like Paul wrote to one church at Corinth where he said, now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, 1 Corinthians 13 verse 12. Like Moses, we can maybe catch a glimpse Glimpses of his glory. Enough for us, enough for us to have some pointers where it's possible for us to know him personally, to recognize this God as being our heavenly father, to believe in him as being our Lord and our savior, and to experience him through his indwelling spirit. Our theme for this year, as a church, we have a theme each year, and this year we've come up with a theme about our being able to see God more clearly. I wonder what comes into your minds when you think about seeing uh, God. We were chatting about that in Cafe Church uh, yesterday and the first response that we uh, came up with about how people might perceive God is of this elderly uh, grey-haired gentleman with a long flowing beard, sat on a cloud playing a harp. You may well have heard of that kind of picture uh, before. For ourselves as believers, we should start with God's revealed word about himself. God has always had a a visual manifestation of his presence uh, on earth. We could go through a variety of references, perhaps in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3, or as fire and cloud among the Israelites in Exodus 13, in the temple in 1 Kings chapter 8, in Jesus Christ from John chapter 1 onwards, uh, onwards. And finally, hopefully, through ourselves, through you and through me. This is what God's word teaches where Paul is talking again to a church. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as if God were making his appeal through us. 
Something that is coming through us onto other people. Elsewhere in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 16. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple. And that God's spirit lives in you. So it ought to be that maybe people can capture a glimpse of the reality of what God is like through looking at ourselves. Has anybody ever seen the film The Lion King? Wow, that is a massive number, isn't it? Loads of you. In that case, you will understand, those of you who've seen the film, if not, for the rest of you, we'll just kind of play along with it. Hopefully you'll capture the essence here. The young lion cub Simba is distraught that his great father Mufasa is dead. And then when Rafiki, the baboon, takes him to show him his reflection, he says, no, he is alive. For he lives in you. And if you've seen the film, you may well remember and have that recalled to your mind. What a brilliant impression that is of a baboon. <laughs> now, don't, don't add your own follow-up line to that. I can see where this is going. Wipe that smile off your face, Michelle. <laughs> he lives in you. Just take hold of that picture. There's something whereby for people to see God in and out of our day... The best opportunity that they're going to get is through you and through me. We are the visible representation of God in the world today. That's at least the theory. As we hear the phrase 2020 vision, which you're going to hear about a lot in a variety of forms, I dare say, uh, in our land up and down the country this year. We want our own vision to be shaped on being able to see God more clearly. Hence our theme, 2020 vision Seeing God clearly. So earlier, we had read to us, uh, eventually from Mark chapter 8, there was a blind man. Now when we talk about there being a blind man, this was not a man who fitted blinds, you appreciate. This was a man who was blind. It's a fascinating, but also quite a bizarre account of what went on in just a few verses. Not just with the miracle but with what followed immediately. No mistake, no accident. And quite um, uh, deliberately, Marcus placed these two things right in the centre of his gospel. What was going on here? Well, we read that some people brought the man to Jesus and begged him to touch him. Verse 22. We don't know if that man himself was keen for that or whether or not he was reluctant. Jesus then does what most of us, I'm sure, would do uh, in the situation of someone needing healing. Uh, He spat in their face. Anybody ever? No, let's not even go there. It's quite bizarre, isn't it? We've just had those verses brushed over. I've yet to see anybody kind of authenticate a healing ministry through spitting in anybody's face. More bizarrely, Jesus then asks... After he does that, do you see anything? He took the man outside the city. Maybe he was a bit dubious whether or not this was going to work. Maybe he was having a little bit of self-doubt going on. I wonder. That's what some of the the critics would possibly uh, cite. It's almost as if Jesus isn't sure that that is going to work. Is that what's going on? The man sees, but not totally. He sees people like, like trees wandering around. But that's not the end. 
Jesus then puts his hands onto the man's eyes again. And we read in verse 25, he saw everything clearly. He saw everything clearly. There's partial seeing, and then there's seeing everything. For some of you, as you were seeing the the girls here leading our worship this morning, I dare say those of you who are very, very discerning would have thought, oh, Michelle's got some glasses on this morning. The truth is, Michelle should have been wearing her glasses for a long time, shouldn't you, Michelle? Yes, you should. Now, if Michelle takes her glasses off, she can see, but she can't fully see clearly, the same as me, as when then the glasses go on. There's two kind of levels. And I dare say if I was going to ask you this morning whether or not you can see that sense of the reality or a belief that you have in God, we would say, yeah, yeah, I I get that. I, I see something of who God is. But I want us to reflect on how clearly we see this our God. We're not going to get all the answers to that question this morning. This is going to be a journey for us through the year. Immediately after that miracle, Mark then records the theme that is central to his gospel, which isn't about miracles at all. It's actually to do with who Jesus is. People are saying different things about who Jesus is, just like people do now. And then Jesus speaks very directly to his followers. And he asks them this question in verse 29. Well, who do you say I am? That is a question that every single one of us will one day have to answer. Who do you say Jesus Christ is? There is no more important question to have an answer to than that question. Well, Peter, unsurprisingly, is the first to pipe up. Now, if you know anything about Peter, he was the, uh, uh, the bull in the china shop type character. You're the Messiah, he says. You are the one. You're the, the chosen one from God. Correct. Ka-ching. Peter goes to the top of the class. No doubt, he, if there was a badge available, he would have put that proudly on his chest. Ta-da! I've got it right. He wasn't at the top of the class for very long, though, was he? But interestingly, when Peter comes out with that response, Jesus says, spread the word about me? No. What does he say? Don't tell anyone. What's all that about? Those of you that have been coming to this church long enough will know that what we're about here is receiving of God, hearing from God, understanding about him, and then we say, now go and tell other people. Because elsewhere, that's what Jesus said. You are my witnesses. Go into all the world, but not here. What's all that about? Is that a contradiction in terms, or is there a reason? Before, of course, Peter can get too smug, Jesus then explains what he will do as Messiah. And he then says, right, well, it's going to be like this. There's going to be some tough times that's going to be occurring for this Messiah, i.e. me. That it's going to involve torture. And ultimately it's going to be, I'm going to be rejected by the religious leaders and then there's going to be this cruel, painful death by execution on the cross. Peter, top of the class Peter, we read in verse 32, took the king of kings and the lord of lords aside to rebuke him. 
What an arrogant jerk. We've got to be honest, he wasn't at the top of the class for very long, was he? Peter then thought he knew best, but he immediately fell from the top to the bottom. Jesus didn't beat about the bush, did he? In his response to Peter. Get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men, verse 33. Peter was able to see who Jesus was, the Messiah. Big tick. But he did not see clearly. Can you see the difference? Because he had a different idea of what Messiah meant. That was why Jesus told them, I believe, not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah, because he knew they'd tell people that someone had come to overthrow Rome, which was not the plan or purpose of the Messiah. The last thing Jesus wanted was his disciples to go from town to town, spreading a shallow, incorrect and unclear picture of who he was and what he'd come to do. They saw, but they did not see clearly. That's what I want us to capture hold of. From this moment onwards, Mark then begins to tell his readers about the reason why Jesus came. It was to seek and save the lost. And that was uh, was only possible through Jesus going through that torture and dying on the cross for you and for me. Do we see clearly? Or have we got another picture of Jesus? Have we got a picture that would suggest that all will one day be saved? Have we got a picture that there can't really be a hell at all if God loves the world? Have we got a picture that would suggest that we're all meant to be well and prosperous? Have we got a picture of Jesus whereby we believe that as long as we've got enough faith, then we will get better of every ailment? Have we got a picture of this Jesus whereby that if God loves me, then surely there'll be no harm or any sense of suffering which will come in my direction? We may well see, but we may well not always see everything clearly, and I include myself in that. Immediately after these words that Helen read to us, verse 34 Jesus said to his followers, if anyone would come after me, he must take up his own cross and follow me. That suggests that the one uh, who suffered for us is creating that expectation for us that we may too have to suffer as part of what it means to live this world in this life. And that's a tough thing for us to reconcile with a God who wants the best for all of us. Do we see Or do we see clearly? There are two levels. And that's why I believe that miracle occurred. Not because Jesus wasn't able to heal that man that was blind in an instant, which he did elsewhere. But because of something else that he was wanting to get across to his people there. And therefore we gave him the visual aid of the being able to see. And then the being able to see clearly. Sometimes we don't like the picture of God that we may well have in our minds when we lose a loved one, when we're in pain, when we feel we're of no use, or when we wonder where God is, if he's there at all. Somehow we expect sometimes a bed of roses 
Maybe from someone telling us years ago, all you have to do is come to Jesus. And we see that and we like the sound of the forgiven sin and the going to heaven. But we don't fully see therefore everything clearly because the rest was maybe never downloaded fully to us. We see, but probably we do not see everything clearly. Let's just pause for a moment. What of that blind man that got healed? Well, apparently he'd been having uh, relationship issues with his girlfriend, Lorraine, and had been very confused as to why she'd left him. After the events that took place, one of his friends asked him why he was now smiling. He said, I can see clearly now Lorraine has gone. I made that up. I just thought you needed something a little bit light-hearted. And for those too young to know the song, just remind people that it was a famous song. Back to the more serious bit. This year, we are inviting God to take us on a journey. Help us to see you clearly, Lord. And I've just seen that picture that Leo's put up there. Leo didn't get hold of these, uh, these uh, headings until very late last night. So thank you, Leo, for all the work that you did there really late. Jesus was with his disciples about 25 miles from Caesarea. On the way, he was then discussing with them about who he really was. We touched on that. If you're one of those people that likes to mark things in your Bible, circle that phrase, on the way. On the way. They were having this conversation. Because that phrase becomes really significant. It is the idea of journey. On the way, on the way, on the way. That phrase is never used in Mark's gospel until Mark chapter 8 verse 27. Which we've read this morning. From this moment on to the end of chapter 12. It's mentioned nine times. Nine times. There's something significant that Mark is wanting us to grasp hold of that happens from the centre of his gospel. On the way. On the way to what? On the way to the reason why Messiah came. To the cross and what was going to occur there for the likes of you and me. That when we grasp that and we see that clearly, then that is what we then need to make known. Will you join us this year on that journey? Not just today because it's the first Sunday in January of a new year and of a new decade. But will you covenant, will you promise between you and God, count me in on this journey. It's a journey of faith that regardless of our starting points, we can all say yes, I want to be a part of that journey. To see God but to see him more clearly than I do right now. Over the next 10 weeks, we're going to be exploring 10 values that we believe not only help us see God more clearly, but also help us understand what we are really here for as a church. We highlighted these uh, way back in a teaching series that we did back in 2004, going through what happened when God went bang at the beginning of Acts and the church, the first ever church was born. And as we read and journeyed through, right the way through the book of Acts, about how that first church was established and developed and grew. So as leaders back then, nearly 16 years ago, we then lifted out 10 values and principles that we saw 
as being ongoing, everlasting principles that it meant for ourselves to see what it meant to be the people of God. We want to revisit those to grasp hold of afresh how we might be that church today. May you see us as we are, if you're here as a visitor or as a guest or someone who's checking out a church or checking out faith. But may we each see this God as he really is, that we might better reflect him to all we know and meet. We've had a lot of uh, people that have, that have come to us since we've moved from Ackland Road to Poundbury. And that's been fantastic. Uh, so if you're in that group, welcome. It's great that you kind of like hooked up with us and thought, yeah, want to kind of um, be a part of this group called Dorchester Community Church. One of the things that's been fascinating for me is to discover people's different senses of journey about their own faith as well as what's led them to here. Because although we worship that same God and we've come to faith in Jesus and, and, and we think, yep, that is what matters most, we also, along the way, have picked up different bits that maybe matter a lot more to us than they matter to God. Because it's a part of our own DNA, our own denominational journey our own roots about the way that we were brought up. As we look in the mirror, Paul said, we see kind of a reflection. I'd invite you to look in the mirror with everything that you hold dear and everything that you would say that you believe to be essential and ask yourselves the question, whether or not this is seeing God 100% within that, or whether or not there are elements that as yet we've not fully seen clearly. Because it strikes me we add in bits that may well be good, may well be okay, may well be right. But they're not always essential things that are of God. We see, but we're on a journey to see more clearly together. Are you with me? There's a difference between the two. Let's take that journey together. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And it's a prayer for where God might lead us this year. I'd like to invite you to stand as we pray. Is that okay? Would you join me as we pray together? And I'm going to reflect back what may well be something that we're saying to God as a sense of our commitment to him. And our own journey. And that journey of faith. And that journey of being on the way to seeing him we trust more clearly. Father God... We do want to say thank you for your love towards us that opened our eyes, that we were able to see Jesus as the answer to our problems, as the person through him we might be forgiven. Jesus, we thank you for what you were prepared to do, to give your life for us, to be punished for us. We made a decision to follow you. And if not, we we just want to say, God, we want to afresh do that right here and now. And say, Jesus, I I do believe. Even I, I don't fully get it. I'm still kind of seeing many things like that blind man. Blurry, first of all. But I want to place my trust and faith in this Jesus because of his love for me. And as we make that commitment, God, to you afresh. 
We pray that you would be with us from this moment on, on the way. As we journey together, we say, count me in. Help me see you more clearly that we might so be so overwhelmed with that fresh sense of who you are and what your unadulterated plan and purpose is for us. That that is the God that we reflect to those we know, meet, come across and rub shoulders with. That through us, other people might come to a clearer understanding of the Jesus who is able to help us see everything clearly. And we pray these things in his name. Amen. Amen.